Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party, a podcast for women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. This season, we're bringing in leading female powerhouses to take a deep dive into the topics that matter most to you. Technology, money, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it, we're covering it all. Tune in every Wednesday for career, real talk, and BS-free advice from the best in the biz. Ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. If there's one word we've heard over and over again this year, it's pivot. And what felt like the blink of an eye, small business owners were forced to rethink their strategy and switch course fast or risk shuttering their doors. As a fellow small business owner, the volume of creative pivots I've witnessed over the past few months has been inspiring and really motivated me and the Crane Coldry team to really just think outside of the box. One of those businesses who saw an opportunity in crisis is Bumo. Co-founders Chriselle Lim and Joan Gwen were just about to launch their co-working space with their certified childcare on site when the pandemic hit. Once shelter in place took over, they quickly pivoted their business into a virtual school and the response has been phenomenal. Thanks to their quick thinking and ability to adapt, Bumo is thriving and children from all over the world are attending their virtual classes from Asia to South America. So for this episode of Work Party, I sit down with Chriselle and Joan to learn more about their creative pivot how their new virtual approach is the way of the future, and their advice for other business owners who are looking to do the same. So let's get right into it. So welcome, Chriselle and Joan, to Work Party. We're so excited to have you guys. I think first and foremost, I think it'd be great to get a definition of what BUMO is for people who have no idea what a virtual school is. So BUMO is a daily age-specific program for kids two to six years old. So we deliver content four to six activities a day for kids to do. Uh, We call it the perfect blend of virtual learning and unplugged activities. On top of that, we also offer a synchronous learning option, so live classes. Uh, We have 32 class types ranging from like butterfly ballet to boomosaurs and oceanography. Cute. So, uh, you know, obviously this has been in the works, I assume, for a while. Did the the pandemic speed this up? Have you seen a major uptick? I can imagine with everyone being at a home that more and more people are getting excited about this type of learning. Yeah, actually, this was 
something that we've been working on for many years now as far as the curriculum, because we were actually going to launch the curriculum in a different kind of format. We were not planning to necessarily launch a virtual school, but due to the pandemic, we decided to just have this, the curriculum that we've been creating for many years now to open up in our physical location or to launch in our physical location, just be accessible online because parents needed it during these times. I mean, we were struggling and Joan and I were like, these are the pain points that we are currently going through and facing as parents. And so we're going through it and we're struggling to, you know, homeschool our kids and educate them and entertain them and engage them. Then millions of other parents around the world are probably going through this. So why not launch it online first? And we did it. And I don't like to say it was an overnight success, but it was very close to that because of just the demand and the need uh, with the current times. Absolutely. So, Christelle, let's talk a little bit about you. So, obviously, you're a massively successful influencer, millions and millions of followers. You're a mom to two girls, Chloe and Colette. So, obviously, this experience led you to creating Bumo. But talk to me about meeting Joan, coming up with the business idea, the light bulb moment, and how you wanted to fill this white space. Yeah. So Joan and I actually go way, way back. How many years has it been, Joan? 15 years ago. Now everybody knows how old we are. But 15 years ago. (laughs) Yes. So 15 years ago, Joan and I met through work. Joan and I were both kind of in fashion and we were introduced through a mutual friend and we, we weren't like super close, but we kind of kept in touch here and there. And then my really good friend, which is also Joan's really good friend, Elijah, who also serves as one of our advisors for Bumo, I, whenever I have great business ideas, um, I go to Elijah and I'm like, what do you think about this? And then he was like, well, you should talk to Joan. And we met and we're like, wait, we've, we've met each other way long ago. So yeah, I mean, long story short, we've known each other for many years and Joan, she'll kind of go into her background. But when I had this idea, I knew that I couldn't be a single founder because it's in the education field. I come from fashion and marketing. This is a field that I'm very unfamiliar with. And Joan comes from the world of education. So it was just like the perfect fit and the perfect marriage. And what she's great at, I'm horrible at and vice versa. Well, not really. Joan is quite, quite good at everything, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, the best, it's the best sort of formula when it comes to business partners. So Joan, I do want to talk a little bit about your background. So you started Mary Education at 20 years old with just $3,000. Can you tell us about this platform and how you know, your childhood has really impacted your role and really put you on this path to education? Totally. I'd love to. So, I mean, my kind of background is kind of interesting, right? The fact that I'm in education now, if you went back in time, when I was in high school, you told people, hey, Joan is in education. They would be like, not Joan, not the person who didn't get good grades and had, you know, report cards littered with like D's and F's, right? And so what happened was, you know, I was raised, you know, pretty modestly. My parents are Vietnamese refugees. Um, I grew up in an area where like, you know, I think 40% of the people lived under the poverty line. And so at that time, you know, uh, education was important, um, but it was hard because you didn't have any sort of mentorship. So, you know, long story short, in college, I something clicked in my brain. I really wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. And so when I was 20, I decided that I was going to just tutor kids on the side to just make some extra income. And then I started Mary Education with $3,000. 
um, I decided to, to kind of ditch what I was trying to do with fashion and just like pursue tutoring full time. And that kind of just grew into like a, you know, physical four location business. And then we scaled to like virtual and, you know, tutor kids from all over the world from Switzerland to Chile to Hong Kong. And so it's been really, really an exciting ride. And then leading into to Buma was really, you know, this like fascination with like high school education and college education. And then being a mom, my daughter is three and a half and my son is two and a half. And then kind of, you know, understanding like, wow, there's like this space in education where it's really not given that much sort of uh, attention. And so I really wanted to hone in on that. And so when Chriselle had this wonderful idea, I was obsessed, like immediately obsessed. Your business is more than the goods you sell or the services you provide. It's the heart of the economy. That's why I'm teaming up with MasterCard to support entrepreneurs by sharing my tips and advice to help their local businesses, like how to use your own life experience to identify new opportunities. Companies are ever evolving. While we may launch our businesses with only a single service or good for sale, it's the ability to adapt our business offerings to our customers' needs that determines long-term success. Just look at 2020. Consumer behavior has drastically changed due to quarantine. Many of the companies that have survived in the pandemic thus far have done so by pivoting their business models in response to this mass nationwide lifestyle change. At Create and Cultivate, we held team brainstorm sessions to discuss the topics that mattered most to us and then created resources on our platform to address those topics. Knowing our audience was stuck at home and limited on networking opportunities, we remodeled our in-person events into digital experiences that could be enjoyed not just by women in Los Angeles, New York, or Dallas, but around the world. By identifying and pursuing these new opportunities, we were able to grow our audience and bring our events to new women. The beauty of going digital. Others, like today's guests, Chriselle Lim and Joan Wen, were on the brink of launching a co-working space with on-site childcare. But once the pandemic hit, they pivoted the business strategy to online schooling, a service that would come to be in high demand in 2020. New opportunities are always on the horizon. And chances are, if you've noticed a lack of services or goods in the market, others have too. For more tools and resources, go to mastercard.us slash local biz. Together, let's start something priceless. Hi, I'm Dom Roberts, a designer, creative, and activist living in Los Angeles. This is The Uncomfortable Podcast, a show where I speak with new friends, fellow activists, and guests all united and passionate about different injustices or just generally uncomfortable topics. It's time to dig deep into the human experience, and that's on period. It's all love. Let's get uncomfortable. I love it. So you guys came together and launched this. So as you mentioned, you were going to be launching a co-working space with certified childcare on site. And then obviously COVID-19 hit. So much like everyone else in 2020, you guys pivoted into the virtual space. So what were the challenges you faced during this digital reset? And were you worried about the financial risk to completely change essentially your business model and launch as a virtual school? Yeah. I mean, you know, it was hard already for us to raise our round. So raising the seed round that we raised 2.4 million, that was like a really taxing journey. So that money was like so prized. And so when we had to kind of split our brains and think, okay, wow, in this pandemic, either we choose to like die as a company because this is happening, or what we could do is we can choose to like take this money that we worked so hard to raise, literally like, you know, dozens of plane trips later 
and kind of like risk it and create two companies pretty much for the price of one. And that's what we went ahead and did. And it actually started with Christelle's kind of like idea when, when dealing with um, home, you know, virtual schooling for her daughter. So I don't know if Christelle, you want to go over that because I think that's really compelling. Yeah. I mean, it was the pivot really happened when I had to like be in an actual classroom setting with my child with her traditional school. And I was like, wow, this is horrible. I do not know how any kids can learn in this setting. First of all, majority of kids that are in the early childhood education, they've never had to sit in front of a computer or a tablet to learn something. I mean, they might've watched YouTube or like kind of, you know, automated programming, but to interact with a human being on screen was already foreign, yet alone putting these kids with like 20 other kids that are all talking over each other. So it ended up the teacher muting everyone. So at this point, it's just like a show and tell. And so the kids are not even interacting at this point. And so what happened for me was I decided to pull Chloe out of her traditional school. And this is no one's fault. No one knew that a pandemic was going to happen. No one knew that they had to retrofit their traditional program into a virtual format. So they were doing the best they could do. They were trying really, really hard, but it was painful as parents to kind of go through that as well. So I just went to Joan and I was like, hey, we have this curriculum. Can I just use one of our our instructors and just use the curriculum that we have? Like, can I just test it out? And she's like, yeah, sure. You could use one of the teachers. So when we, when I actually experienced that with Chloe, it was the most magical thing I've ever experienced. She was excited to learn. She was engaging with the teacher. She was already thinking about what she wanted to tell her teacher for her next session. And I was like, this is no different than an actual real life classroom. And it actually felt like the closest thing to a real life classroom. And that's when I just had the light bulb moment. I was like, Joan, you know, we need to do something about this. We already have the curriculum. We need to pivot our business model with the current state. And we already have everything that we need. So we pivoted so fast and so quick, but thankfully we, we had the curriculum prepared in advance. And so, I mean, a few months later, how long has it been, Joe? Like five months? It's been like, yeah. So our first, uh, we opened the website. It was like April 20th. We made it live. And then I think within that week, we had a thousand families on the wait list from over 20 countries. And then in two and a half weeks, we had like 2,000 families on the wait list from over 50 countries. Um, and so that was in April, May 18th was when we had our first class. Like all the kids came on and it was like so exciting. Um, so that was just, yeah, a few months ago. I mean, like four or five months ago. So it's, you know, we blink and, and now we're here, um, and, you know, so much more to go. Absolutely. So in terms of your strategy, obviously it sounds like digital is going to be a huge part of it moving forward, but as things start to reopen, are you looking into plans to launching the centers as well? Yeah. So we're actually launching our first location still uh, for, we call it Boomer Work, uh, which has sort of the Boomer Brain programming for the education component of it. That's actually launching January, February of next year, so early next year. We're super duper excited about it. Uh, It's beautiful. And, you know, we think that it still serves a great purpose in terms um, sort of like understanding the agenda of like working parents, right? And parents wanting to be co-located with their kids too, especially new parents. So we still are very, very passionate about this, but I think also the virtual element has been also very exciting. 
And, you know, totally agree, you know, when it comes to having that offline place to work as people who have been working from home now for like, you know, seven plus months, it's like, you know, that separation is really important. So going into the pivoting part of it, obviously you guys did it, what looks like seamlessly and have had a lot of success in it. What advice do you have for business owners out there that want to pivot, but don't know where to begin? Oh gosh. I mean, embrace the fear. First of all, it's really scary. I think fear is the number one thing that holds people back and not pivoting because, you know, it was hard for us too. We're like, we've worked so hard to get our original business model up to this point. We raised all the money that we needed to get our original business model up to this point. And now we are throwing this huge curveball. And so what do we do? And so we could have had fear kind of hold us back and just continue with what we did, which I I don't know, maybe that would have worked out too. But we're like, what if this is a new Bumo? What if this is a new iteration? And so I think we were curious enough to explore that. So I think for me personally, it's don't let fear hold you back and be curious enough to at least explore that before, you know, deciding not to pivot. Absolutely. So Chriselle, you're a serial entrepreneur. Obviously, most of the work you've done has been in fashion, but Bumo is a major career shift for you. So how different has the Bumo experience been compared to your other businesses that you have? And what has been the biggest learning curve? Yeah. I mean, I sometimes, and I tell this to Joan, I I feel like I have multiple identities. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, the content creator, Chriselle, and the other times I'm Bumo brain education, Chriselle. And the other days I'm like rich mom, TikTok, Chriselle. And so I I feel crazy sometimes just to be quite honest. And I sometimes I do question myself, like, am I doing too much? But I think the hardest part for me personally with this huge pivot was just to get over the fact that like, I felt like an imposter because I wasn't in education and I'm trying to sell people about our incredible education program. So I think that was the hardest thing for me is that But then I also have Joan, who I'm like, Joan is in education and she knows what she's doing. And I'm the CMO, which is more on the marketing side, which is I I feel very comfortable here. But it's, you know, being an influencer, I always thought that I understood marketing as a whole, because obviously influencer marketing is such, it's a really big part of marketing. But once I got into Bumo and the CMO role, I did not realize how influencer marketing is just. A, a small pie in the entire marketing realm. So I had to do a lot of learning myself of customer acquisition, paid ads, UX, UI, like all of that stuff that I did not understand. So at first I came in super confident, like I, I can do this and I, I understand marketing. I am the pro at this, right? I quickly humbled myself and realized that I don't know as much as I thought I knew. And so I just asked questions. I asked people to help me out. I asked other people that have been in the CMO role of what they've done. I've asked for, you know, referrals for people to help us out, you know, on the ad side. And so I think that was the hardest part is realizing how much I didn't know, even in marketing, even though I've been in marketing for so long. Absolutely. And have you been able to apply some of these learnings to your other businesses? I'm sure like learning about all these other ways of advertising and marketing have definitely been helpful in how you're growing your other companies. Yeah. I mean, I think on the content side, you know, for me, it's all about organic content, but I also work with a lot of brands, right? As far as paid media and sponsorships. I just feel like I have a, a much more holistic view on 
when a brand is paying me to be a part of their campaign, like they are looking at a certain ROI, right? Because now I'm on the other side talking to influencer, like, what is the ROI? What, what are, what is your conversion? Like, I need to know this before when people would ask me this, I was like, I would be like, well, I have like a million plus followers who do like, why do you care? But now I'm like, I get it. I really get it because it's not even about the followers. It's about, you know, the conversion at the end of the day. I feel like on the influencer side, working with brands and sponsorship, I have a much deeper understanding of that now. I love that. So Joan, you've mentioned that you had 2000 people on the waiting list, like when you guys launched. So how do you scale Bumo virtual school while kind of maintaining that intimacy of the classroom vibe that you guys have created? Yeah. So there's different um, elements to Bumo that I kind of call like the special sauce, right? Of Bumo that makes it so kind of warm and so sticky with our audiences. Part of it is that students actually, you know, upload their work online uh, for the daily learning program and teachers actually comment on their work. So they actually get live feedback from teachers, which I think is wonderful uh, for them to hear and get that affirmation. We also keep the class sizes pretty small. So instead of having a class with like 20 kids in one frame, it's a class of up to six kids. And those six kids are in programs with with teachers for five weeks at a time and we rotate teachers. So one student might do a Spanish class with Ms. Laren and then the next you know, session do a math class with Mr. Dante and they go back to Ms. Laren for maybe another type of math class or another type of reading class. So, you know, the kids really see these like familiar faces pretty often um, because the teachers do handle uh, quite a big breadth of classes. Um, and then also a big thing too is the fact that you know, we really try to um, create an intimate environment, even though we have so many parents so and so many families from different time zones. So we have family experiences every day. So last Friday, it was super cute. I was actually on this experience with my daughter, this uh, farm for rescued animals. They did a whole tour with the kids and the kids were so excited. They were talking about cattle and where they were coming from, how they rescued them. And so we have these family experiences like two times a day minimum. And we have slumber story times for the kids wear their pajamas with their families and they watch a teacher read online. And it's just like creating those sort of like intimate experiences at scale. Um, I think that is what makes Bumo so special. And, and so I guess like that's the soul of Bumo, right? Is that level of intimacy. Whereas other platforms, it's just like a screen and you're like tapping here, clicking there. For us, it's like we want to know who's like on the other side of the screen and we see them. You know, you see on our Boomer Brain Instagram, you see kids posting their crafts and activities, like jumping up and down to the videos. You know, we as a company are so proud that we can see the, the students, the families like on the other side of the screen, which makes our virtual experience so special. I love that. And, you know, thinking of education holistically, you know, education for so long has just been the same thing, right? Like history, math, you know, English, et cetera. Like, how are you guys thinking about education? I mean, it sounds like it's a much more holistic approach. And given the world that we're living in, I think there's so many more skills that we need to be integrating in. How are you guys thinking about holistically your sort of mantra when it comes to education? Totally. Um, I'm so happy that you asked that because that's such a big thing that we put in the forefront at Bumo. It's, you know, we have character development videos every morning. 
we're very, very conscious on having um, our puppets in those videos represent different groups, different family dynamics, you know, having a strong sort of initiative for diversity and making that front and center is super important to us. And in our lessons too, it's not just about teaching math, science, chemistry to little kids, but we really see this age group is very, very special. You know, the things that we teach them, the words that we say, the actions that we present in front of them really define not only their own academic success when they get older, but, you know, we're creating good humans, right? Who become good adults, who become agents of change, right? And so even last Friday, the lesson was, oh, this is a lesson on kindness and inclusivity, right? You know, so we have lessons like that every single Friday at the minimum, but that's also seeped into like, a lot of our curriculum. And so, you know, they'll have an activity on different scenarios and how to react to different scenarios in a kind way, right? And so for us, it's, it's you know, all baked into to the BUMA curriculum and we're always trying to be better. You know, we're not resting and saying, okay, we have a, a video on kindness and a video on diversity and we're done. Like this is just the beginning of what we're trying to do is really create an educational system program that is not just an incubator for intelligent minds, but for really, really purposeful humans, right? And that's what gets us really excited. I love that. So I want to transition topics to some of the challenges that women are facing right now. And obviously you guys are both working moms, but the pandemic has disproportionately impacted women because it has significantly increased the burden of unpaid care. In fact, women's careers could take a long-term hit as a result of this entire year. So how can we support women so they don't burn out or leave the labor market? I mean, there has been studies and statistics that have come out recently. The amount, the percentage of women that are now leaving their careers and job just to support their families and their kids at home with their virtual learning or whether just to be at home with their kids. And I think the pandemic really has put a huge pressure, especially on women, because, you know, I think men are they are more present than they used to be, but there's still kind of that unbalance and there's still this expectation of mothers kind of holding up the family, making sure that they're getting the education, cook, you know, cooking and cleaning and also having a career. And it's burning a lot of women out. And so that's why we're also incredibly excited to be opening up Bumo Work very soon, just because this will alleviate a lot of this pressure as they are able to continue to grow in their career um, and not have to had the pressure to give something up and still have their children like co-located with them so they could be present in their lives. In terms of employers building that consciousness to and really understanding what working parents really, really need and kind of setting that expectation. I mean, right now, you know, Bumo is actually working with a lot of uh, big tech companies and public companies who are giving their working parents the Bumo Brain Program so that the parents who are homeschooling and working at home at the same time, they don't have to research 20,000 activities for their kids to do. They can just put their kids with a boom of brain box with all the activities and the kids can do it with some guidance, of course. And so I think that's the first step, but I feel like uh, employers need to really, and big companies especially, really need to take that time to really study and understand like the expectations of parents and having flexible schedules. You know, for Chriselle and I, we're like texting each other back and forth, rapid speed at like 2 a.m. Because we know we're both up, our kids are down. And I think employers need to understand that like the working parent is not, you know, it, it doesn't have to be nine to five. Maybe the parents can pick up their kids at two or three or whatever it is. And so I think it's more about really honing in and understanding what does that working parent schedule look like? Where does that guilt come from? 
and that kind of like emotional setback when you work and you're trying to parent 100% at the same time? And how do we negotiate both things so that they can fit each other? And I think that's the problem that a lot of companies need to resolve is like that sort of um, synergy between work life and family life. Totally. And I love that companies are using this as a perk or a benefit for their employees. It just makes a lot of sense, which is so great. And I also think one of the things that this has really brought about is that it forced that notion of work from home. It forced that notion of flexibility. So now that people are sort of living in this world, hopefully there'll be more flexibility moving forward in the working environment. I know I was not, I wasn't pro work from home, like pre COVID. I just was like, we all have to be in the office. We all have to like be around each other. And now obviously having done it for eight months successfully, it's like, okay, yeah, like this could work. So I think it kind of forced us into this new habit, which is, which is good because I think like, you know, we, it took that push to kind of get there, but here we are. And hopefully we'll see more flexibility in the future. So let's talk about entrepreneurship in general. So what would you say, and this is for both of you is the best advice you received in your role as an entrepreneur. And what advice would you give a new founder today? That's a tough one. I mean, there's like so many different things. So I can break it down into if that's okay. So one advice that we had as an entrepreneur and then as a female entrepreneur, right? So when Chriselle and I were fundraising, Chriselle probably remembers this too. You know, Chriselle and I always defaulted to like, always kind of boosting each other up. So we wouldn't say like, I'm amazing. I would, I would say Chriselle's amazing. And Chriselle would be like, Joan's amazing. And then one uh, VC at a big billion, billion dollar fund she just stops and she looks at us and she's like, can I say something? And we're like, yeah. She's like, you it's amazing. Just own it. Just say you're amazing. You know, if a man came in here and tried to pitch me this, he would tell me how amazing he is. And he's not even half as amazing as you guys are, you know? And so, and another um, female VC also told us like your financial model, whatever you want to put in there, as long as it's realistic, like put it in there, you know, don't undersell yourself because we were so cautious. We were like, we didn't want to overstate it. She's like, no, men come in here and they tell me they're going to make $100 million in revenue in two years. You know, she said, put it all in there. And so I think that was one thing. It's like, you know, as, as a female entrepreneur, sometimes like we feel so like cautious. Like we always want to, you know, be safe, prove ourselves first, right? And then earn it later. And it should be the other way around. So, you know, for me as a female entrepreneur, that was really telling. And as an entrepreneur, I feel like, one thing that I've realized is everything is a function of two things, like a perfect math problem. One, it's persistence. Two, it's time. You can be persistent for a short time. You not be persistent for a long time. But if you're persistent going 100 miles an hour, you're going to do, you know, really, really well. And that's for me is like the perfect function of success is like if Crystal and I just gave up in May. If we gave up, gave up in June and didn't do our enrichment class as a summer camp, if we gave up now, we would have been sitting here not in front of you talking to you about this, right? So I think those two things are very, very important. It's, it's time and persistence together um, going hand in hand. Time, persistence, and taking up space. I think that's so, so important. I love that advice that those women gave you. I mean, I'm guilty of that as well. Like, I think we all are of just being like, well, I don't want to like overpromise. Like, I don't want to like this. And then it's like, we always exceed expectations. It's just, we never talk about it. So I th- that's just so incredible. Chriselle? Yeah, I think for me, my, my one advice for entrepreneurs that are just starting off is actually our friend Elijah said this on our team call the other day. And I, it really stuck with me. 
you know, it's always exciting to start a new business. It's always exhilarating to start something that you're, you've been dreaming about. But there comes a point where it feels really messy and he calls it the messy middle. And that is where things get really tough and you start questioning yourself. Like, did I make the right decision? This is a lot of work. Like, am I going to make it through? Am I going to make money at some point? And I think that is a part of every single entrepreneur's journey. And that is something that not everyone really talks about because you see the exciting front and then you see the exciting end. But the middle is where it gets really messy and it gets very cloudy and complicated. And quite frankly, that's where a lot of people give up. And so I think knowing that that is how you're going to feel in the middle and understanding that that's normal, that is so important because if you understand that, you'll just keep pushing, right? Until you get to the end. So for me, it's really understanding that it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be fun in the middle, but that's just part of the journey that you signed up for. Girl, the messy middle is so real. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> familiar. Um, I know. I love that so much. That's, that's such great advice and, and honestly, very realistic. So, you know, obviously entrepreneurs are used to the ebbs and the flows, the goods and the bads, but this year has brought on a whole other level of stress. So how are you guys maintaining your sanity? Like, what are you doing for self-care, you know, on your journey as an entrepreneur to keep sane during these crazy times? It's really hard to do self-care. I just be really honest as a mother and like as an entrepreneur, but for me personally, I like blow up at some point, right? Because I like to keep everything internal, which is not healthy either. But I let off steam every day a little bit just by working out or talking to somebody. I do have a therapist I've been seeing for, during this time of quarantine um, or the pandemic. And that's something that I really look forward to every single week. When I schedule that in, like no one can change that because that is my time that I need to stay mentally sane for myself personally, for my relationship, for the people around me. So that is kind of how I blow off my steam is through my therapist and working out. No, but real talk. I mean, I, I have a business coach. Basically, I had a therapist, but then all I did was talk about works. And I was like, maybe I just need a business coach. <laughs> but um, it's basically business therapy. But it's so important to have a third-party perspective when you're trying to build something because you're so in it. It's so hard to see outside of it. Um, so, so having that is so important. Joan? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's like just like Crystal, it's, it's kind of hard to figure out what is like the magic potion, right? Because if we had it, then we would probably not have the little brain and, and sell this magic potion to all the families trying to figure out how to balance during this crazy situation. And so right now, I mean, it's 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 tough. I mean, there every week we're trying something new. Every week we're you know we're trying to you know do a new schedule for the family, trying to have unplugged time. For me, it's it's more of I like to space things out instead of working like crazy long days consistently. I like to do it in chunks. And that's just kind of like what I like to do. Just like on the the weekends, I'll do something in a chunk in the morning and then I'll spend all day with my family just to have that family time and then do another chunk at the end. So compartmentalizing uh, my day um, has really helped me a lot. But I mean, yeah, I'm still definitely trying to figure it out. I wish I, wish I had the secret to how to stay balanced. It's hard. Um, and I think that's something that's important to say. It's really, really hard. And I don't think anybody has it completely figured out. 
and we're just, again, trying something different every single week. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap with some rapid fire. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Okay. The mantra I repeat when things go wrong is? This too shall pass. Yeah, same thing. It's like, it's going to be okay. It's all good. The parenting advice I always give to new moms is? This too shall pass. (laughs) (laughs) You're never going to be perfect. There's no perfection. It's a mess. I love it. Um, The most rewarding part about being a business owner is? Creation. Like creating something from nothing. It's like you feel like you're like a magician almost. Yeah, it's really incredible. It's seeing people on your team that are just as dedicated and excited about the concept that you pretty much had in your mind and just like having them kind of own that. That's really exciting to me. I love it. Well, thank you ladies so much. Can you let us know where we can learn more about Bumo? Yeah, you guys can find us on our community pages on Instagram at Bumo Parent. And then to learn more about the educational program, um, it's at Bumo Brain. We also just launched a podcast called Being Bumo which is all things parenting, where we talk with experts and celebrity parents and just everyday, you know, struggles that we go through. So, and then also boomobrain.com. Awesome. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Have you bought your copy of Work Party the Book? Part career manifesto, part practical business advice, Work Party the Book is everything I wish I knew during my early years as an entrepreneur. The ups, the downs, the things I learned and the women that helped me to make it happen. Just like in our podcast, Work Party the Book does not shy away from the nitty gritty details you need to know. If you hope to start your own business or become the HBIC at your current gig, we're here to help you out. Available in hardcover and audiobook on Amazon, also on iBooks at Target and your local bookstore. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Work Party, the podcast. If you felt inspired and learned something new, let us know in a review on iTunes and check us out on social at Work Party. For every episode, we have downloadable resources available on workparty.com so you can put these tips and tools into action for your own business. Thanks again for listening. And as always, work hard, party on.